welcome back to Pixels and Pints. Uh, we've got a bit of a different episode for us all tonight. We're having a, a COVID-safe Christmas. So joining me via remote link-up, we have Tom. Hello. And Dan. Yeah. I've got to remember I've got to do video and audio. <laughs> yeah, you can. I, I suppose you can wave. So we're uh, each sitting in our own homes recording off random devices that we could find sitting around the house uh, and talking over mobile. So the quality is not going to be great this episode, but it is what it is, particularly since New South Wales is experiencing a last-minute COVID outbreak just before Christmas. So we kind of have to make do. And I think this was the fourth attempt for us to all get together and, and do an episode, and we kept having to cancel due to work, and you know, it always gets crazy this this close to Christmas. And uh, just as we were trying to finalize a last-minute, last attempt, COVID just fucked everything. So we're working with what we're working with. So it'll be a mini-episode uh, this week. Um, I have plenty to talk about in terms of PlayStation 5 and Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Um, oh, Jesus, man, I think there's plenty to talk about. We haven't spoken since, like, episode two of Mandalorian, Mandalorian or episode three or something. So, yeah. anyway, that yeah, probably... We've, we've that, got a big backlog of shit to talk about. Yeah, it's not a very quick episode. <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah. Know if, I, don't know, I don't know how much we'll get through um, tonight because we, we kind of want to keep the episode a bit short, but... Uh, we'll certainly get started with it. So, um, who's already cracked a beer? I haven't yet. I'm drinking one of these. So okay. Um, so, so Tom's already cracked something open. What are you drinking, Tom? Um, I will tell you exactly. Hold on, one moment, Peter. Um, it is uh, from. I will hold it up to the camera. It's already in a glass. Um, so I got this year. I got two of the uh, canvas calendars. Uh, from various uh, establishments. I got the Carwin Cellars from Melbourne, um, which came with a lovely glass. We just set up to the camera. Um, I've got to remember that the other two can't see what I'm yeah, yeah, it's, it's kind of. I'm <laughs> describing <laughs> it. <as> I, <laughs> um, so it was, I was playing catch up on the weekend because I did uh, late night shift. Um, but uh, so today I'm on yesterday's beers for the 20th of December, day 20. Uh, it was the Mayday Hills, which is the we've done a few of their beers before on the on the podcast. Um, uh, there, which is a side project at Bridge Road Brewers down in Victoria. Mm-hmm. Um, this was their Hoppy Sour, um, but this special edition came with uh, Blood Plum. Um, so it is a right. yeah. It's uh, the Carmen Sellers one this year. They um, split the case into two. Um, so you got two mini cases, which is great for your fridge because um, normally you can't fit them in. So the last couple of years, when I've got them, uh, Emma has very kindly, uh, when I'm at work after it arrived, has wrapped them up and numbered them so that I don't ruin the surprise looking in the fridge. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. She pulled each one out and numbered them for the, the right yeah. cages. She wrapped them up. Yeah. That's, that's a good yeah. lady. That's, that's is, love. Is that's great. real love there. That is. That is. Um, but this year, I was able to keep the boxes in my two fridges we have. Um, so I've been able to do like the popping them out each day, which has been fun. But they split into so one was um, all hoppy, like IPAs or hoppy beers, um, and the other one was the weird and wonderful. Uh, but this is, they've said, is the bridging between both, both ones. Um, it's 3.8%. Uh, it's 
got a nice little uh, hot characteristic to it. Very subtle plum flavour. Um, it's a it's a deep plum colour. Um, not it, quite. It, yeah, it, I'm not sure how how much uh, how much plum went into it. It's not it's not an overly like plummy kind of kind of sour. Um, yeah, it's a really nice three point eight. I would happily get a six pack of these and. Uh, enjoying it on a sunny day, um, not one that's pissing down with rain like today. <laughs> hey, I mean, at least we've we've got some rain this year. I mean, we've been in drought for the last few years, so it's a bit of a nice change. That is true. Annoying as it is, um, it's an interesting flavor profile. A, a sour, a, a blood orange plum based sour sounds interesting. Yeah, and if it's not too plummy, so, um, then you won't. You're unlikely to get palate fatigue too. Yeah, it's just like. Um, it's got that sour tang at the back, the sour mouthfeel like all the way through, but you get a little bit of the um, the the hops and the aroma, and then just kind of at the start, and then like a yeah, it's a really subtle plum at the back. But um, yeah, very very enjoyable. Well done by uh, Mayday Hill. Yeah, Actually, cool. Yeah. So, Tom, talk to me about Mayday Hill. Um, <clears throat> it's a side project for the Pedroid guys. Yeah, yeah. So it's their um. I think it's mainly like a lot of their wild ferments and sours they do through the Mayday Hills project. Okay, um, so they, they just don't release those uh, under the bridge road because it's a, like experimental. Yeah, it's, um, it's, they, they say that they say Mayday Hills by bridge road brewers on it. Yeah. But I think it's like, it's more like, it's kind of more like a series rather than like a side project. Um, kind of, I think it's more similar to, like say what batch do with small batch, but they focus on um, wild ferments and sours from what I've seen. Yeah, okay, no worries. So, yeah, they've done a couple. We had one, well, maybe like one or two episodes ago. I think I brought one. It was uh, with Liam. We did the one with Liam. We um, oh, I wasn't there. Yeah, we did uh, the uh, one of their table beers. Yeah, um, we did. We did, and it was um, it was yeah. exactly as it says uh, on the label too. Sorry, Pete, we have hit a technical issue here. Uh, one thing I did not think of was how much storage was on my iPad. So <laughs> I'm just, uh, you, you guys chat amongst yourselves while I delete some apps that have never been used on this iPad because it's linked to my phone. Okay. You're probably fine that you'll, that get, you'll get more storage out of deleting all your porn videos because that's where it's all going to be. There is absolutely nothing on the iPad. I hate to tell you, Peter. Sorry to disappoint. <laughs> it must be like a, an iPad one with sixteen gig of memory. That's cool. It's a it's a iPad three with sixteen gig of memory. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I'm uh, unfortunate. I have uh, one craft beer left in the house because I've been merrily drinking my sorrows of having to cancel my annual leave due to some last-minute work away uh, and have been slowly working my way through all the beer in the house. So I have one craft beer, which I'll crack towards the end of the episode. Uh, at the moment, I'm drinking a freaking Strongbow because it's cider. Ooh. And if it's going to be mass-produced, I'd much prefer a mass-produced cider over a beer any day of the week. There you go. So, um, okay. okay. No, I, I don't see the logic in that, but sure. Why not? <laughs> Well, because I I, sat, I I separate them into its own category in my mind, and I don't want to assault myself with mass-produced beer, so cider it is. Plus, um, my favourite cider doesn't come in packaged because reasons that I'm not going to ask you to explain. So 
uh, you know, in the absence of choice. What? What's on it? Your side of your dope. Oh, I have thought that. Yeah. No. Australian brewery. I no. would have thought that, that that was pretty self-evident from what I was saying. You, you don't, you don't you do should, package. Uh, no, 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 we don't. We haven't done it yet. Um, you should try uh, Small Acres Cidery. You may say James Kindle. Uh, he's one of the best. I think, actually, I think he just won Cider Maker of the Year at the Indies. Uh, he does a whole bunch of artisan stuff. Yep. Uh, and he does it in 750ml bottles. Uh, and I think he even does a uh, like a small package range now. Like can, sorry, can package range rather than bottle package range. Yep. But uh, his cider is excellent. Yeah, Absolutely okay. Excellent. And well, well deserved for the... Um, accolades that he gets if they're, yeah, 100%. If, if they're in the kinds of places that I've been shopping lately because I've been pretty lazy um, and I'm a bit scared I think it's Beer Cartel that's around the corner from my place that are doing the 100, yeah. 100 yeah. can pallet at the moment so no that's that's Craft Cartel I was uh, only talking about that this afternoon right okay so I, I actually thought it was it was Beer Cartel and I've been scared to go in there because I'm very scared that I might accidentally on purpose buy a pallet of beer and have nowhere in my fucking house to put it and a very angry missus. So I've just been shopping in like the local Woolworths Liquorland type stores uh, and they don't have a great selection of beer, let alone cider. Anyway. Uh, definitely go to the beer cartel. I've, um, the next beer I'm going to have is from the their advent calendar. Um, yeah, okay. Is, uh, and Akasha had done a single hop with uh, pallet. The, one of the new hops that came out this year. Yeah, cool. uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I might uh, kick off. I might kick off with a topic um, before time gets away from us because it won't end up being a short episode at this rate. Um, I might park Mando, and we might come back to it this episode. But I know that Ben had a lot to say on that topic, and Ben's Ben's been very keen to to dial in. And the idea was that we'd have the three of us, or at least two of us, physically at my place and have Ben dial in so we've got three hosts. And I, tonight I kind of, sorry Ben, kind of didn't bring him in because I th- figured four people competing for airtime over a phone with no cues in terms of body language as to who's about to speak was probably going to be way too chaotic. So, Oh, um, yeah, definitely. So I think maybe we'll try and park Mando, and if we if we want to get into that later on this app, we can, and if not, we can we can put it off until we can get together and have Ben dial in, who's uh, been on daddy duty for a while now and really really wants to get on the show. Um, so unfortunately, uh, well, fortunately, for, unfortunately, so I know Tom, you've got a PlayStation Five. I picked one up. Uh, we were both lucky enough to get pre order stock allocated, uh, yep. and unfortunately, Dan missed out. Although Dan doesn't really care, so it's not really that unfortunate. Um, nope. <laughs> so what's your experience of the PS5 been like, Tom? We, we haven't spoken about it on the podcast, which is amazing, really. Yeah. Um, so what about it? I, I've already finished and Platinum 2 games. Um, so if I literally, my friends were worried about me for a while because I just stopped going out. And I was like, no, I've got to get home, got to play PS5. Um, so I finished Spider-Man Miles Morales, um, which was excellent. It was uh, wasn't the longest game, um, but uh, it was beautiful to play. Um, like as good as the um, the PS4 Spider-Man was. Um, I then loaded up the Spider-Man 
the PS4 version, the remastered that they did for PS5. Yep. And holy shit, that looks so good. It is incredibly, like, graphics-wise, it, like, the original was an amazingly well-built New York city. This, like, blows it out of the water. So it is with the... With the ray tracing and um, like the uh, running it, the the performance mode, like my eyes were like they were watering. Like <laughs> it was that good. It was so sharp, yeah. it cut my eyes. So um, yeah, like but insanely good. But it, like even better than the um, the Miles Morales version. Like, so I haven't really been following the Spider-Man series of video games, and I don't know why because he was played on PS4. No, I didn't. I and 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 Spider-Man was my favorite comic character growing up amongst a couple of others that I bought regularly, but um so it's kind of surprising I never really seen I I just didn't I wasn't interested when I saw the gameplay footage. It was like, yeah, cool, but not really cool enough to distract me. Um so was Miles Morales released for PS4 as well or is it a pure PS5 exclusive? Uh I think it was designed for the PS5, but I I don't know, I don't know if it was released on PS5. I have a feeling it might have been. Yeah, it is. it's on both, but I'm pretty sure I'm, I agree. I think I'm pretty sure it was designed for PS5. Okay, all right. Yeah. And then they've backwards ported it. Okay. Um, I Pete, I mean obviously. I'm just gonna, Pete, do you want to drop a marker? I'm just gonna start a video again. Sure. Yep. Go for it. Cool. Um, so I. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've we've put up uh, before and after pictures of the PS4 and PS5 um, test photos. Tom, I think you set, sent in and I ended up uh, throwing it up on the Instagram or one of the previous apps. I think it was actually in one of the videos on our YouTube channel that I threw it up. Yeah. Um, so obviously the ray tracing is pretty, pretty uh, significantly different. Um, I have to say I had a funny moment. So I've been playing AC Valhalla and everyone who's ever listened to the show for more than an episode or two probably would have heard me talk about AC. That and the fact that most episodes have all of the AC figurines behind me. Um, So I've been playing through the game. It's a PS4 disc version in the PlayStation 5. When I first inserted the disc and went to install it, it asked me if I'd like to install the PlayStation 5 version. I said yes. I've been playing it ever since, but it always bugged me that it had a PS4 symbol next to the disc when you went to launch the game and I always just assumed that meant that it detected it was a PS4 disc and I was playing the PlayStation 5 version because there is no PS5 version or at least there wasn't when I bought the PS5. I'm I'm pretty sure Miles Morales doesn't have that. No, mine's a PS5 disc, yeah. Yeah, so... But I think they did the same with Cyberpunk as well. Yeah, so so I upgraded the system because there's been a pretty, pretty constant update flurry for the ps5 the ps5 controllers and ac valhalla so ac valhalla i think's released four or five major updates since it was released about four weeks ago so i installed all the updates two nights ago went to launch the game because and we'll we'll talk about the, the system itself in a second but you basically never turn off your playstation you never exit the game even with standby mode in the playstation 4 when you powered it back on, it came up faster. It wasn't a complete cold boot, but you'd still have to relaunch your game. With the PS5, you don't yeah. do that. It just parks the game in memory. And as soon as you turn on your PlayStation 5, you're in the game, ready to go. So I haven't actually booted the game from you know the, the console um, 
you know, the main main menu of the console for weeks. And I launched it yesterday for the first time after an update and it said, you're playing the PS4 version of this game. Would you like to launch the PS5 version? I'm like, I thought I was playing the PS5 version. So yes, please. And it made my eyes bleed just as you were saying, Tom. Yeah. So all this time I've been playing the PS5 console but i've been playing the ps4 version and and i've got to say i've got to say it's subtle the difference between ps4 and ps5 versions i took some screenshots while playing the same save game sequence uh, in ps4 and ps5 versions and i can't really pick the difference in the screenshots but it is noticeable while playing the game in terms of frame rates in terms of the specular reflections off metal, um, water effects. And yet, again, I took screenshots of all of those elements and I couldn't see the difference between them. It's, it's just one of those things that feels different. Um, the other thing I noticed immediately, though, was the controller has been properly implemented in the PS5 version. So one of the upgrades with the new uh, DualSense controller, uh, well, two of them, is haptic feedback instead of just sho- uh, dual shock, so you don't get the... The um, vibrate the general vibration. It's now specific and haptic. It's it's where it wants the you know it, it vibrates specific portions of where your hand is on the controller. And the second is the variable yep. variable tension trigger. So I noticed that immediately. I went to shoot an arrow, and usually you hold down uh, L two and yeah. hold down R one. Uh, sorry, R two to line up your shot and set your power, and then release, and it shoots the arrow. Well, in the PS5 native version of the game, the trigger hits what feels like lock halfway down and then you have to strain, mm. strain against the tension to fully charge up the shot. It's fucking cool. It's subtle. It doesn't make a real big difference, but it just feels more connected to the game. I uh, I said this from the start. I think I said it in the chat, but I um, the one thing I've been telling everyone who has either been getting one knows they're getting one on like a second wave of orders or managed to get one but never played it, I highly recommend playing the Astros Playroom that's the built-in game yeah. that comes with the PS5 just yeah. because it really shows you just what that controller can do now. And and it's fun. Like, it's, it the, reminds me of an old fun. Sonic it's, game. It's, yeah. Yeah, I, I got I got Mar- uh, Mario vibes, but yeah, yeah, I know exactly what I mean. It's an old platform, old school platformer. Like, there's different elements to all of it, but yeah, the um, the way that controller is operates in that game, it's it's the perfect showcase. Yeah. Um, Which is obviously what they made the game for. Spider-Man. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, I've been playing uh, through uh, um, Phoenix Rising, uh, which was, um, was shown as uh, Gods and Monsters, uh, like E3 last year. Um, when we had well, the show uh, I can't remember the last one we talked about, but it was um, uh, yeah, it was called Gods of, Gods and Monsters originally, and they renamed it. Uh, it's called now Immortals: Phoenix Rising. Um, it's by the guys who did AC Odyssey, um, Ubisoft Montreal. Yep. yep. Um, it's awesome. I'm really loving it. It's uh, a very, very like it's it's a perfect mix of like like kind of that Assassin's Creedish gameplay. Um, but the world looks like it's come straight out of Zelda. Um, it's all based in mythology. It's, um, you, uh, and then, but the, the whole story is told through 
it's a story being told through a story. So you play the character Phoenix, but you're com- constantly being commentated on by uh, Zeus, who's talking to Prometheus. Um, <laughs> cool. And they have some very like I wouldn't I'm not tongue in cheek isn't the right word, but some very funny views on like classic mythology stories. Um, they basically point out just how fucked up Greek mythology is really uh, when you actually get down to it and look at deeper into it. Um, uh, just how much of a jerk Zeus was when he's often painted as this like, you know, godly figure, but actually he was just a horny bastard who went around and made, raped made a lot of women. Of, made lots of demigods. Yeah. I'll tell yeah, you what. Yeah. Um, Sorry, go ahead. But it's very fun. Very fun. Um, yeah, you're... A um, lot of puzzles to like go through that constantly make you think outside the box. Um, but uh, pretty simple gameplay, but it's fun. Like I haven't been bored through it so far. I've I've um, got to say that's it's it's interesting you say that. That's specifically what I've been enjoying about Valhalla is that there are. Um, I mean, obviously the mythology. There's you know AC games have always had a sense of humor about them. It's not front and center, but it's it's there. Um, and and you do go to um, oh brain, brain just farted. You do go to Valhalla. You do meet Odin. You do meet, and he's not called Odin. He's got he's using one of his alternate names for Odin. But you you meet Loki. You meet Thor. Um, you meet yeah. all all the major characters. You've got the Rainbow Bridge, or the um, to the Bifrost. Uh, Bifrost. Yep, um, <laughs> Rainbow Bridge. I've been watching too many Marvel movies. Um, and and you interact with all these characters, and they're they're rendered well. The there's a dwarf. There's a I actually ended up looking up the story, but they've got a, a, a um, Odin has a dwarf in servitude to him as a blacksmith who ends up you know, and you've got a choice to release him from his servitude after he forges something What's for you. Name? I can't remember his name off the top of my head. He he forges a chain for a dire wolf that Loki birthed. So. Loki's the father Henry, of Henry. Yeah, so it's Henry. Henry, yeah. Henry. I imagine it'd probably be the dwarves from God of War, wouldn't it? What are they? Yeah, Henry uh, or Brooke. Yeah, probably. So so Loki gives birth or his son is a dire wolf. Uh, Odin's got the shits because obviously it's been prophesized that he will be killed by a dire wolf. Um, he can't harm Loki or his offspring, so he charges the, the dwarf to, to create an unbreakable chain to, to chain him up. Um, so this with, uh, with the sound of a cat's footsteps and the yes, two other a things, cat, impossible thing. It was yeah. cat's breath and something at the seat of a mountain, I think it was. Something like that? Yeah, I know I know the story. I can't remember off the top of my head. But or, yeah. or maybe it's the breath of the mountain and a cat's footsteps. I can't remember. It's a, cat, it's a cat's footsteps, yeah. So you, you actually have quests to go and obtain those items and they're riddles. They're, there's no pointers in the game. It doesn't tell you what to do. It just says go and find a cat's mm. footsteps um, or capture a cat's footsteps. And you find a, a small golden statue created by uh, Athena with her magical Athena. That's a Greek goddess. Uh, I can Fucking again! It's been a long, long day. Um, but she she creates these magical statues, and one of them happens to be a golden pussycat, and you follow it around. And it keeps warping or teleporting to another spot. You have to parkour to reach it. Freya, probably. Sorry. Yeah, it was Freya. Freya. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, because the chariot is pulled by a cat. Yep. 
Yep. So, and and that's how you end up catching it. You've you've got to follow this mis- like this magical cat that keeps teleporting um through, and you've got to keep pace with it while parkouring, uh, until it finally jumps off the top of of one of the buildings, and uh, you land in the haystack next to her, and and you capture the breath. So, oh, I just thought it was a it's a cool implementation of telling a traditional Norse story. There's a lot of Norse mythology woven into day to day interactions as well. Um, in NPCs, you know, back in the main world of ACV. But I'm enjoying the variety. I mean, you know, there's a common complaint about the number of collectibles you have to gather in order to hit a platinum. I've always complained about feathers and those sorts of things. And yet every time I get an AC game, I go and do it anyway and go and get the platinum. So as much as I complain about it, obviously there's a part of it that I'm attracted to or else I wouldn't bother. This game has yeah. more collectibles than any AC game before it. There's 733, I think. But so, f- so, f- but but they're not true collectibles. They're yeah. You have to do all of the. You have to collect all the wealth, and all of the wealth chests are not all the chests in the game. They're specific things like you've got upgrade tokens for your gear. You've got um, yeah. books of power which unlock abilities and then upgrade all those abilities. Um, so they're the only two wealth chests that you actually have to collect, which you'd want to do for the XP so that you could level up anyway. Um, you have to go and destroy these curse symbols, which are really cool. They're like a blight on the land, and as you approach them, it gets all dark and gloomy, and there's crows running around, and your vision gets all fucked up, and you eventually have to find these things, and some of them are puzzles. They're hidden in well, you know, hidden in plain sight that you have to figure out how to get to them to shoot them or you have to do yeah. some parkour in a cave system to get to it. Um, so you have to get rid of all of those, and you've got to do all the side quests. But the side quests are fucking cool. So they're usually 15, 20 seconds side quests. You you know, you walk up to a, a, a quest giver, and they might be a guy standing in front of um, a couple of bodies in a, in a, uh, like a wheelbarrow on fire, and he says, uh, I, you know, they're not, the fire's not burning quick, uh, hot enough. Can you please help me? I, I won't be able to send them off to, to, um, to rest and they're going to come back as Dark Drenger uh, and, you know, take their vengeance upon me and the land. And then so you go into his house that he's standing outside of looking for an oil barrel and there's a note on the thing saying that my son's a gambling, gambler and an alcoholic and he's not going to inherit my... My property, I'm going to give it to my second son. So you find the oil barrel, we throw it on the bodies. He says, thank you so much for your help. And, and you turn around and say, why were you worried about them being a, a, like a vengeful drinker? And he said, well, to, to be honest, I, I have to admit, I, I murdered them um, because I, you know, in a drunken fit of rage, I found out I wasn't going to inherit my or, or receive my inheritance. So I killed my brother and my father. Um, you know, can you please punish me? And so you do the honourable thing, and you send him on his way. Off, you know, he shuffles off the mortal coil. You you actually have a mission to kill him. So all of that story takes twenty five seconds or so, but it weaves Norse mythology and culture and values into the story like that all through the game. And I find that really cool. Yeah, it's one thing I will give credit to the AC team. Like playing Odyssey, it was like. The way they they they've done their research, you can tell that like yeah, there's a bit of like fantastical nature to it, and they, they do take it a little bit further than like reality or like making it like a, a simulator. But um, they're pretty pretty authentic, and they definitely do their research, which is like you know hats off to them. 
Yeah, yeah, most definitely. And, and I've got to say the mechanics are fun in this game. So uh, one thing that I keep remembering throughout the game is finally after Odyssey and Origins, this is actually an AC game. It actually feels mm-hmm. like an AC game. You now have an entire experience path or an ability path that you point put leveling points into focused on assassination and sneaking around and doing lots of, of damage while being hidden. You've got passive abilities that you can unlock that when when you're um we all just got a message on WhatsApp at the same time. I heard the vibration. Um um when you're sneaking around, if you're hidden, it will automatically use your Odin vision, which is the equivalent of the old, you know, assassin's vision, uh, to highlight yeah. enemies in your local vicinity, but only if you've unlocked that ability. So there's a whole skill tree and you can now approach every or just about every every mission, every encounter with bad guys, you can now approach with stealth. So, of course, I've gone 100% stealth. You've got your uh, hidden blades and and all the rest of it. There are actually assassins and Templars in this game for the first time in three games. They've actually, you know, gone out and called them that. Um, it yeah. f- it feels like an AC game again. So going back to your uh, your Fenrir binding, uh, the uh, the six magical things that were held made in the chain that held Fenrir was the sound of a cat's footsteps. Uh, the beard of a woman, the roots of a mountain, a bear's sensibility, a fish's breath, and a bird's spittle. Right. Well, the only two you're required to gather in the game are the uh, the, uh, the seed of a mountain and the cat's footsteps. Yeah. <clears throat> on the um, on the uh, what's it called? Phoenix Rising. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. The um. I actually like the aesthetic of it better when it was the well, the announced gods and monsters. I think the uh, the additions, well, the the armor changes and that. I, I don't actually like the look of it now. I think it's quite generic. But but when they announced it, it had that really stylized. You could you could tell a little bit from the colors and the shape of the armor. I know that was same as uh, AC Odyssey. They were using historical going on what Pete's saying, they were using historical uh, accuracy to, to make it. The Gods and Monsters looked like it had a more cartoon version of that. Uh, as I think looks like it's far more, a lot more stylized and a lot more colourful and that. I actually like the original look of it better. Um, no, uh, it, it, I uh, actually have to say it's still very cartoonish. The World map looks like it's an oil painting um, to the point where like it looks like brush strokes, um, and you get you can change all your armors. Like they're you're not locked to one. Um, I found an armor last night that was uh, uh, what was it? It was um, it was a, ch- a chimera. So you had a each pauldron was a different head, and then you had the lion's head in the middle, and you had the snake in the what's the other one? Eagle. Eagle. Yeah, so they were on each shoulder. Um, no, no I'll, I'll send you some shots of it. Um, like, it's still very much, it feels like that trailer that we would have watched. Um, there's a few little changes. Um, the most interesting one I found, especially since the studio did an Assassin's Creed game, is you have the same kind of like parkour climbing because um, there's cliffs and valleys everywhere because you get the, the, the wings of uh, Daedalus like in the opening act. Um, you get to claim them. 
Um, you don't actually essentially fly, they're more of a glider. Um, but uh, the interesting thing in this is you have a, um, when you're climbing up a, a cliff, you have your, your stamina bar appears. Um, but unlike an Assassin's Creed game where you can climb, you know, anything, a thousand foot mountain, yep. like it's nothing. This, you get halfway up and you actually start running out of stamina and you have to consume stamina potions to keep going or you fall all the way back down to the bottom, um, which was a nice little challenge to get used to, uh, especially when I was thinking like, oh, no, I'll just be able to climb everywhere and like jump <laughs> off and do all this stuff. And it features a lot in the puzzles, like, because your, your gliding takes your stamina as well. Um, so if you're trying to get to a certain part of the, the thing and using abilities to push yourself up, but then you run out of stamina, you just, your wings give up and you fall and it's incredibly frustrating at times, especially around, you know, 11 PM after a couple of years. Um, <laughs> you're like, I should be able to do this, but I'll, um, yeah, no, Dan, I'll show you some, I'll take some shots when I'm playing later tonight. It's, uh, yeah. definitely still has that, that, that vibe that you got from the trailer. It's, I think the, the last look they gave made it look a bit stale, but I've been loving it. Um, Really, really enjoying the game. Uh, soundtrack's beautiful as well. It feels, it adds to the whole mythological nature of it. The Very ambience. kind of ethereal sound. Yeah, like that's cool. Um, well, it's a good move for them to move from AC Odyssey to something. I mean, Anna keeps saying that the AC games are quite steeped in the religion, but they're also quite earthbound. Um, yeah, if yeah. you can say that, or reality bound, I guess, is where this seems to be far more. Uh, they can take that Prometheus or Zeus talking to Prometheus uh, kind of approach. Although, I'm oh yeah, you, you, you set on like so you set on this island, and each island is the island divided into four or five areas, but each area reflects the god of like each god. You've got four gods you're trying to save at the start. So like I've so far gone through Aphrodite and Ares like I bet you went through the that. Mate. Uh, <laughs> um, but <laughs> Aphrodite is lush green forests and all these animals running about, whereas the Ares side is is a literal battlefield. Um, but it's still like like it's it's, it's like to try and create that different thing. And then the other two are you got to get Athena and Hephaestus. Um, but I haven't gone to those areas yet. Um, uh, I don't disagree yeah, with what I, I don't disagree with what you said, Dan, in terms of it being uh, you know AC games being rooted in reality. But since Origins, they they have had elements of alternate added back in. So I think with Origins, not only did you have world events where you'd have to fight massive uh, jackal-headed monsters, but you also had some side quests that you went to the ethereal plane and and you looked at the afterlife of, of ancient Egyptian mythology, which I thought was a cool little addition. And then certainly with the with the Greek gods, I mean, you, you ended up picking up the trident from Poseidon and you took that into the future and that was the key into the next game. Um, yeah, I, 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 yeah but I mean, aren't they, aren't they still, like even the trident, wasn't that part of the, uh, the higher race of beings that Desmond was talking to? Isn't yes, that linked to them? Yeah, they've essentially, re- yeah. I mean, and, and that's the so AC. Technology. That's the it's AC conceit. Like, You're right. All mythology is actually a reference to the alien race. Yeah, so it, it's kind of Stargate-esque. 
Yeah. Where the the, the race the race of higher beings that's got the more advanced technology is seen as God as where yeah. It, I mean it's just it's just a different take on the same mythology, obviously. I just I I enjoy the contrast and it seems to be the logical way for the studio to be going. They they've done the more earthly bound Assassin's Creed Odyssey, so they now go the more magical side of it and do the Phoenix Rising. I, I think it's great. I mean, if all of them did that, I mean, imagine what the next uh, Viking game could be if the guys who were doing Valhalla moved into not being Bangor. restricted. Yeah. yeah no, well, I guess, yeah. Well, they could being, do a whole game like that. By the- they, I mean, yeah. you actually play as Odin, so your, your persona becomes Odin while you're in Valhalla, and I do know that there's a second dream sequence. So the way they root it back in reality is the uh, seer gives you a potion, you get high as a kite, you pass out and you wake up in Valhalla as Odin. And and, and even the, the assassina- assassination sequences in the main game when you're back on Earth um, split to this ethereal world where Odin, or the you know the the old father of the wise man, is always there talking to you and describing what's going on, and you interact. Your character interacts with the Odin vision. I do know that Jotunheim is is a part of it as well. That's the second dream sequence that I haven't done yet because I'm not a high enough unlevel because they took levels out. <laughs> you've still power got, level. You've you've still got power levels, but nothing's behind a wall. If you want to go and try and and it's exactly the the yeah, the, yeah but that that's the that's the key word. If you want to go and try, yeah, that's right. You, may, and, you probably won't succeed. You probably get your ass kicked until you go and grind for another fucking five or six hours. It, it reminded me of our old D and D games where you know when I first took over as DM, and I think you said much the same. If you want, if your level one characters want to go spank a dragon, then I'm gonna. You know, if if there's a dragon that I'm describing to you in the fucking cave, and your level one characters want to go spank it, then expect to get fucking roasted pretty quickly. But you you're welcome to. Um, this game's exactly the same. You can you can essentially walk across the England, which I'm actually finding really interesting because it's it's teaching me about the. the- <laughs> I love that walker. A walk across the England. The England. Sorry, sorry, the English countryside. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I changed the end of the sentence halfway not, through. Not, not- not, not Britain, the England. The, the England. So you meet the Celts and the Picts and uh, it's being, you know, the Saxons are obviously there. I, I'm finding it interesting that it's a, it's a period of English history that I was somewhat peripherally familiar with but certainly didn't have a great knowledge of and, and it's kind of going right through the history. And it's one thing that I've always said about the AC Games is, as you just said before, Tom, they do do their research. I just quickly want to introduce this beer because I'm just about finished, and it's and it's a cor- yeah. corker. I've got, to, beer. I've got to do mine next. Yeah, cool. So, so this I'm is almost finished as well. This is uh, Bibliotech. I'm, I'll probably have to reverse the camera feed because I think it's mirrored. This is uh, Bibliotech. Is the brewing company a passion for gingers? Number one forty three. Uh, uh, passion for. Well, when you say Bibliotech, all I think of is uh, Deadpool. Yeah, yeah. Talking, it's, 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 talking Spanish. It's beer bibliotech. <laughs> uh, it says, not everyone who loves gingers loves ginger, but ginger lovers who do love gingers love them with a passion. This beer is dedicated uh, to our... ginger can fall the ginger ginger. <laughs> this beer is dedicated to our friends Bobby and Stephen. It's a passion fruit and ginger sour ale. It's a fucking corker of a beer. I can't see the ABV on it. Oh, it's 3.8%. But it was... It was made in Sweden, imported to New Zealand, 
And then obviously it's been imported from New Zealand to Australia, sat in my fridge for a year, moved house, and it's still a cracker of a sour. Very, very impressed. Cool. And what are you drinking, Send Dan? Me a picture of it. Oh, well, I will. Yeah, we're going to have to exchange pictures after this for the podcast anyway. So, yeah, definitely. Oh, exchange pictures, are we? <laughs> we did the uh, OnlyFans I'm, episode, mate. Ah, damn it. I'm drinking a beer from, you're probably right, the cameras are reversed. So, mm-hmm. everything I'm showing to the camera is now going to be in gibberish backwards. That's fine. I, uh, I'll I'm reverse drinking it. An, another one of those Eclipse uh, hot beers. It's a Eclipse India Saison. I really like that one, so I thought I'd peel it out of the fridge at work. Didn't realize it was 7.2% when I cracked it open, but it's uh, New England Brewing and HBA, HBA the Hop Brewers, uh, and uh, my mate Blair did the label. He does the label well for New England Brewing, and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful-looking label, but it's also a beautiful-feeling label. And I can't show you two, but you, Tom, you will see it later when Pete cuts this together. But uh, Pete, you will see it sooner. They've gone the very smart of only doing a kind of a three-quarter label, but there's a massive chunk of the back of can. So my idiosyncrasy of labels not lining up, you can't quite tell because the label doesn't touch. Because <laughs> there's enough of a gap. By, yep, it's separated by about an inch and a half. So you, they're not side by side, so you can't tell. So my my, my little itch is not going in my brain. Although that's now you've the, said um, that, you're going to go get a fucking a, ruler. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is that the don't stare? That is don't stare, yes. That is don't stare. I almost bought one yesterday. Damn it, I should have. It's, it's nice. It's a, it's a good Saison. Like it, it's really full of Saison S's. Uh, the alcohol comes through on both the nose and the palate a bit. But yeah, it doesn't bother me. Like Saisons are quite dry, so you kind of expect if they're higher ABV. That there's not there's no body there really to to, to hide that alcohol. It's not overpowering. Uh, the 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 clip pop is just adding that nice mandarin peel, orange peel character in the background, which really complements saison um saison sort of lemon drop, lemon orange peel characters anyway. So yeah, works. Probably one of my least least favorite styles of beer, to be honest. It's the old saison. <laughs> It's just different. It's really good to be always like having IPA, IPA, pale ale, XPA, this and that. And then if you're out drinking those for a night, to cut it with something that's yeast and ether, whether it stays on, whether it's a wild ferment beer, whether it's a wheat beer, something that's got a yeast ether rather than a yeah. like a hot profile. Yeah, yeah, it's I nice agree. It's nice to just cut your palate and clean up a little bit, like in the parakeet. It always just reminds uh, me of a weird sparkling white with a tang. Um, I'm just not a big fan of that that whole saison tang. That's a pretty good representation of it, like pretty good description of what the how they are. Yeah, they do. They definitely do have a a, a lemon juice tang with that oiliness to it, which is probably this one's probably coming from that hot. But yeah, they they definitely do have that sort of spice, white pepper kind of character to it yeah. as well. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have cracked my second beer. Um, because I had a very long day doing stock take. Um, yes, yeah, I've only brought one in with me. I brought I brought the I brought my Brodie, which was just a, one of my loggers, and I brought this. So I'm going to go and get another one if we kick up. No, I think oh, yeah, we'll, I we'll probably wrap. Out of shot. We'll probably wrap soon, Dan, because your uh, iPad's okay. going to explode. It's it's like a hundred years old. 
Yeah, yeah, it is. It's up to 30 minutes. It's still recording. We only lost about like five minutes in there while I was fucking around. Uh, <laughs> cool. Um, Dan, you will be annoyed. This label is off by almost this exactly a millimeter. Um, Mine's the same. You can only tell because there's, there's a white line at the back where it's, the joint is, and it's just one, the right hand side is just a millimeter below the other one. Um, I hope you're holding but, it up to the uh, camera, yeah. mate, because I certainly am with my label, just so we can all trigger Dan's OCD at the same time on the video recording. Yeah, just a little bit out. Um, so this is the, the Talus IPA from the Akasha Project. Uh, it says, it's introducing Talus, a new flower from Creations Garden and the core of this single hop India Pale Ale. Exotic yet approachable, expect pink grapefruit, resiny pine, tropicals and sage in a punchy yet perfectly balanced show of natural splendor. It is 6.2%. And if I will say, if I hadn't read the back of that, I wouldn't have been able to describe the herb I was getting because I'm definitely getting a herbal flavor. And it, I would say, yeah, that's the sage. Um, but yeah, good amount of the citrus. It's not uh, It's not overly hazy. I'm holding the beer up to the camera now. Um, but uh, it's not exactly like clear, like a traditional West Coast. It doesn't have some haze to it. Um, but it's yeah, it's got that definitely got that pink grapefruit. The can is you know, like the Kasha have gone that more simplified design. It's uh, kind of like a close up zoom of a, a hop, hop cone, um, with those kind of triangular flowers and just says talus and big letters on the top. So, yeah, pretty good. Just yeah, cool. to try talus. I've got another one from Garage Project in the fridge I picked up yesterday as well. So um, and I've got a keg at work. Uh, Stone and Wood did a, um, a talus, like, um, talus pale, strong pale ale. Um, yeah. That was a brewery release that I got a keg of, um, which I'm yet to tap, but excited to try it too. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely got that mix of, like, citrus forward, but then gets that hit of pine. Um, but yeah, but the, the sage, like, the herbal note in this is, um, it catches you off guard, but I don't hate it. <laughs> um, yeah, I've got to say, I, I'm you know, I've this is only my second alcoholic beverage of the night, and whilst I get a lot of passion fruit out of this bibliotech, I'm not getting any ginger, so I, I kind of expected a kind of a ginger beery twang to it, um, even maybe a like bit a of bit of age too. Yeah, true, true. Um, almost the you know that spiciness you get out of a a, a, a strong ginger hit. It's almost like a. I was just about to ask if the ginger flavor's gone. Is there still some ginger spice there? Yeah, but there's none. This is to me. This oh, really? Is, yeah, no, to me, this is pure passion fruit. It, it reminds me of of Pash the Magic Dragon watered down, which is understandable given it's three point eight. So it is kind of table beer standard. Um, it's it's enjoyable, and I'm uh, to be frank, I'm amazed that it's it's stood up to the test of time as well as it has. It's it's been in three countries that I know of, uh, and mm. it survived a move with with you know. So it's been co- cooled in my fridge and then warmed back up while I moved and then cooled again and then yeah. So I'm I'm amazed that it's it's even drinkable. But yeah, no, there's definitely no ginger flavor out of it. I'm just uh, relieved that I can taste these different things because it's a sign that I'm COVID safe. Um, <laughs> huh. they do yeah, you know, you know what? That's got to be the biggest fear I ever had of the COVID, the COVID diver. It wasn't the, uh, the getting sick or anything like that, but it was the not being able to taste. That's fucking yeah. horrible. It is only That's- temporary though, Dan. It's the same as a flu. 
Oh, it's only been, it's been tampering with some people. It's been ongoing with others. Yeah. Some people still haven't. They were, they were months getting their taste back. Yeah, there's there's also people that have had fatigue for months too, and there's there's been a lot of yeah. long longer term side effects, permanent scarring on the lungs, and all that sort of shit. But um, yeah, I guess uh, that's a that's a fair enough fear. I'm a heavy smoker, so if I get it, I'm dead. You know, so I'm not worried about my sense of taste. Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, it's still it's still amazement to me to actually have a sense of taste. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. got in. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, no worries. So uh, the last quick topic I think we'll talk about before we wrap because we did want to keep this episode short and we're already at uh, almost 50 minutes. Um, that hardware uh, upgrade for the PS5 that I mentioned before is worth the price of admission alone in my opinion. The ability Wait to, a minute, hardware, hardware upgrade? In terms of the PS4 to PS5, the biggest leap is not the graphics. Oh, yeah. Oh, you don't mean you don't mean they release the PS5 and then there's a hardware upgrade no, to plug no. into the PS5. Okay. No, just no, the no. just the, the fact that the, the PlayStation server, hardware, yeah. yeah, and 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 it's all down to the hard drive being solid state. It's actually not. It's NVMe solid state, which is which has a more direct channel and a broader channel to the processor and all the rest of it. But the ability to hit the power button and it turn on faster than my TV turns on, so that it's ready to go. It loads you instantly into the game. When you save the game, it's instant. When you load the game, it's instant. When you turn it off again, um, it you know it it switches off and pauses the game so that it's ready. It's it's finally become practical that if your girlfriend, if you're an impatient fuck like me, and your girlfriend goes to the bathroom or you know goes and spends ten minutes doing whatever girls do, their hair or whatever. I sound really sexist, but you know, or she might go out for a for a. <laughs> Yeah. Ignorant, but yeah, sure. sure, sure, whatever girls do. Um, but if, if your missus buggers off for 10 minutes to take a phone call, that's probably the most real example I can think of, um, you can now realistically switch over, play PlayStation, do something for 10 minutes in the game and switch it back off. And as long as you're quick about it, like you lose no time in the switchover. Whereas with the PS4, you'd have to wait for the thing to boot up. Then you'd have to wait for the game to load, the menu to load. Then you have to load your save game. By the time you've done getting into the game, that 10-minute period has ended. So in terms of usability, there's I know it sounds stupid because you know and conceited because who many, how many people get upset that they can't play their video game for the 10 minutes their girlfriend's taking a phone call? But it is a psychological barrier that I've got 10 minutes to kill, what can I do? Well, I can't play PS4. Well, you can with PS5 because everything's fucking instant. Um, Peter, have you, have you had any crashes yet? Uh, I've had two game crashes for ACV, but I, because I haven't played any other games, I couldn't tell you if that's hardware related or the game. You know, it is a fucking had, Assassin's um, Creed, right? So they're buggy by nature. Yeah. I had, uh, I had the system crash twice. Um, I got a, I got a pee. All right. Um, <laughs> cool. Which don't bring your iPad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I had it when I I had heard that uh, the Spider Man remastered was ripping people's consoles um, when left in rest mode. Wow. Uh, yeah, there was something just something wasn't code wise wasn't adding up, and it was it was bricking consoles. Um, I was lucky that it didn't happen to me, but it did crash the system a couple of times when playing that. And I have found now that 
uh, when I was playing Phoenix the other night, I was having like the sound was like choppy. Yep. Um, and I was just experiencing quite a bit of lag, but I had booted it straight from rest mode to the point where when I then shut the console down and rebooted it completely, um, it disappeared. So I've had a few problems with launching from rest mode in certain games. Interesting. Um, I've had absolutely yeah. zero issues with the, you know, admittedly, I've had zero issues with almost 90% the PS4 version of ACV. I've only been playing the PS5 version for two days now, but I always yeah. I always launch the game from rest where you're not even launching the game. You're literally just turning it on and, and you're in the game. Yeah. It's this starting screen that you um, see. Yeah, but I've, I've now... Just because of that sound issue, it was like it was still playable, but it just got annoying until I was like, "Oh, I'll just restart the console and see if it goes away." Yeah. Um, and I didn't know if it was because I was launching, if I was running, if I was running off a disc. Um, so that's been my like that's the thing I kind of want to test: is it quicker, or do I would I experience that same issue if I had a digital version of the game? There's no difference. Um, so, so my understanding, and I read this directly. Um, so unless yeah. I misinterpreted, which does happen. Um, there's no such. Sorry, can I just cut in, cut in two seconds? What uh, what game are you talking about, Tom? Oh, I just said that I've um, was asking Pete if he'd had any crashes. Um, yeah. I've, what have you I had. Uh, Spider Man Remastered, I know, was bricking people's consoles um, oh, when launching okay. when launching from rest mode. Um, I think they've updated it now that it's it stopped doing that. Um, and I had uh, issues with Phoenix. Uh, where the sound became really choppy when I was launching from rest mode. I wasn't, but I, so I, but that's the thing. I was launching from a cold start, like, like shutting down the console and, and booting it up. It's maybe 10 seconds longer compared to what would have been like two minutes to load straight into the game. Like the, the speed itself, like it doesn't really affect me that I'm not launching straight from rest mode into the game. It's just kind of like, Makes I have a, another ten seconds. Makes oh, a big dear. difference for oh, ACV. What will I do? Uh, makes a big difference for Assassin's Creed because the whole launch to the main menu—you've got to go through all the stupid icon icons for you know the company name and the fucking engine name and the the bullshit loading and then checking game content on the internet. You know that's that's a that's at least a couple of minutes just to get to the main menu. Then you load the game mm. and it's an extra thirty seconds. Whereas when you boot from from standby, it's instantaneous. You're in the game. There's you skip all that bullshit. Um, it's interesting that it was actually bricking console. That's that's obviously a fucking massive concern that a game's even capable of bricking consoles. But what I was going to say is, I read an article from PlayStation the magazine that there is no such thing as a disc game. You buy the discs to install the equivalent of a digital download file, but everything must be installed on the PS5 hard drive. So there's no direct streaming from disk. So there shouldn't yeah, be a, right. okay. so there shouldn't be a difference in terms of what you were saying before of, of testing the disk version versus the digital only. It's just a different delivery yeah. mechanism of the install package. It's very much like a traditional yeah. PC game. No, 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 don't, don't, yeah, okay. Yeah, traditional PC game. Because with, the, the with floppy disks. Uh, there you, you go. You, yeah, you were just well, you were just saying that, and I've got the uh, Cyberpunk uh, digital oh. download <laughs> card in my hand. But you got to say that, Randall Matt, that's probably not the time to uh, 
to get into that thing if we're going to cut the episode now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we need probably another hour to rant about the uh, shortcomings of Cyberpunk. Plus, yeah, before like, we do, so- before we get into Cyberpunk 2077, because I know you've had some experiences you want to share, Dan, I want to start playing it on PS5 so that I've got a comparison that we can make between the PS4 and PS5 experiences overall. No, well, I'm not playing on PS4. I'm playing on PC. Oh, right. Right. Okay. I'm glad I didn't play it on a PS4, the fucking shit bite that that is. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't know. I've, I've, I... One, one review I saw from IGN's review I saw was they straight in the, the like short little thumbnail image they do of their review, it gave it a 4 out of 10 on PS4 and Xbox One and said, if you can avoid it, do not play it on a base PS4. You need to upgrade it because it is ruining an otherwise excellent game. Well, yeah, I mean, well, they've PlayStation pulled it from the PlayStation Store. Yeah, you know, that like, that's wow. huge. Yeah, yeah. You cannot. They've they've given refunds. You can get a refund through the PlayStation Store. You can get a refund through a physical store if you bought it from a brick and mortar. If that physical yeah. store will not give you a refund, Cyberpunk, uh, CD Projekt Red themselves will give you the refund of that game. Mind you, in Australia, which I think, which I think a, adds, adds to their credibility. Oh, like, absolutely. Oh, I, I absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. but but I've got to say, in Australia, with the A with the A Triple C and the yeah. amount of consumer yeah. protection we've got, you will get it. a brick yeah. and mortar store would really struggle to justify not giving you a discount if the manufacturer said it's yeah. faulty. It, it really doesn't apply to us. I mean, it's probably more. I'm sorry to rag on Americans here, but it's probably more those those kind of stores that won't have that uh, that federal government if yeah, something protection. doesn't live up to expectations. You've got to refund yeah. it no matter what. Yes, yeah. so. Yeah, I'm not going to get into it because it is a long conversation on what we've got here. I I actually think the game is very good. I'm really enjoying the game. I'm glad I bought it on the premium, uh, the premium quality product that I could get it on because I don't have a PS5, as we established earlier. I'm probably not going to buy it for a long time. I really wanted to play Cyberpunk. Why would I buy the PS4 version, even though I enjoy sitting on the couch and playing games? Yeah. Why would I buy the version that is going? And I, I made this decision before it even got released. Why would I buy the version that's going to be the worst version out of all of them? And when I when yeah. I say worst, I, I was saying that in quotation marks because I didn't think it was going to be the actual shitstorm that it actually is. Yeah, uh, I might I, I, have, I might do some research and see if I can't buy the PS4 disc version at EB Games if it's even available anymore. I want to buy a copy of the PS4 version if it's upgradable to PS5 um, for free like ACV because... What no, we- no, that's what I was saying. There is no PS5 version. There's no PS5 version. So there's a PS4 upgradable to PS5. That's exactly it. Cool. So you buy the PS4, you buy you buy a PlayStation yep. version yep. and then you plug it into your PS5. And then you go from there, but you'll never see the worst version unless you've got your old. I do. That's what I was going to say. So I've got a, I've got uh, a, okay. I've got yeah. a PS4 base, a PS4 Pro, and a PS5 all plugged into my amp right this minute. So, for, oh, okay. Well, you could you could see all yeah. three versions of it. Then. Yeah, I, I, I think that'd be an interesting comparison, and I'll take some screenshots from all three, and we can compare them on the podcast. That's if I get yeah. time. Um, Anyway, I, I think that's probably us. That's just on an hour, so it's still fairly short for us. Um, anyone have yeah, anything else to add? We were, we were talking about doing a big bumper episode to get everyone through the holidays, but... Yeah. yeah. 
Anyone yeah. else? Um, nope. No. Okay. Merry Christmas to all our listeners and, and thanks very much for supporting 2020. So um, keep your eyes peeled for some big things that are happening in 2021 for season four of the, the podcast. So I'm not ready to really so announce need, too much. but What we need to do for this thing next time is uh, three ladders. So we'll have the, uh, the phone that we're recording, we'll have the conversation on, we'll have the, the iPad or whatever in front of us that has the... Uh, the camera that we're recording on, and then you can have the PC or whatever it is behind it <laughs> showing all three of us together. Yeah. But we can actually look at each other and see True. what the fuck everybody's True. talking so, about. Yeah, I, that's easy enough to set up, mate. We've, uh, I've got a full Cisco WebEx, so we can we can easily do that, or you can do it through Zoom or one of a million other free apps. But yeah, we'll definitely do that. Yeah. But in the meantime, thanks very much for listening, guys, and have a great and safe Christmas and stay away from the, the Rona. Very good. Thank you, guys. Uh, Yeah, have a good break. Have a good break. See you guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.